this out of this space soon. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on for your intro. Oh, uh, well, that's it. I'm Rob, and I'm here with Brandon and Jennifer C. Martin, and uh, I don't know uh, how. Uh, I already forgot about this. How would you guys? How do you guys think you would prefer to die and when? Well, when you told me to think about death, I had terrible nightmares, and um, I never have. I like barely even dream, much less have nightmares. Oh man, I'm jealous. And I had nightmares that my sister and my youngest son were diagnosed with cancer. I woke up like crying and shit. Thanks, Rob. This is a. Uh... It's honestly because of me you had no i don't know why i am um, but if i wanted to die it's very cliche but i'd like to die when i was like old and just fall asleep and like i don't care about it you know i'm such a like i guess i could say i'm that i'm a pussy so like i'm a pussy when it comes to death it's the number one thing stopping me you know because like i've dealt with suicidal ideation and like depression and stuff oh, oh my god i'm so <laughs> oh man don't eat before the podcast but just like being a total bitch about death is probably the number one reason like i haven't gone through with anything same you don't believe in like a i know you you're heavily christian you don't believe in are you not is it is does the afterlife scare you i mean like i was raised pentecostal so there's always that like zero Uh-oh. Point zero, like like um, like like lose this inherent like childhood fear. It's almost like I don't know, like I don't like to say that I've had a traumatic childhood because my childhood wasn't that. Uh. Even hell, in and of itself, is sort of like a traumatic traumatic experience. You're breaking up, Jennifer. But uh Oh no. <laughs> we'll just keep going through though. Hopefully you won't more. But uh Right. <laughs> Did you just freeze again? Did we lose her? Oh, is is it really bad? Oh, you're back now at least. Is it um it's like, oh, like you have behaved the really burn alive for longer than your life for all time. Uh, and you don't even have like a. Uh, that's a crazy fucking thing to say to a kid. Yeah, I mean, before you even have. Yeah, that's fucked up. A concept of time, like. Yeah, so, like, it's a little bit scary. You worry about it. I don't know. I'm I'm iffy on the after. No, I tend more toward, like, the Jewish tradition of, like, here and now. Like, the point of Christianity, if there's an afterlife, we'll see. Hopefully I'll at least get in purgatory, right? That's not even in Protestantism. So. I don't even understand purgatory. Like, is that supposed to... Are you supposed to... Oh, sh... Oh, the, is the, oh, that's you typing. <laughs> um, it was sort of bad. But, uh, fuck. Uh, is this, like, an emotional state? In, is there, like, an emotional state in purgatory? Is it just supposed to be boring because it's the same? 
I can't tell if you. Uh, well, for a while, for a Catholic church where, <laughs> fuck, where like limbo is like you're going to be here forever because you weren't baptized or whatever. So like you know, African babies go to limbo if they get if they are not getting baptized young before whatever and then eventually the catholic church is like no there's no limbo there's only purgatory which i guess is like if you need to redeem yourself from some sin because you didn't get to talk to a priest before you die and absolve yourself of sins so you have to like i don't know how it came through in the bible like i'm not really sure about how a lot of traditions came about because i'm not catholic but yeah it's so like oh well this person was really bad but they were also like you know a good catholic and a good christian person so they can come to heaven after a little while <laughs> i don't even know your religious background uh brandon and i've known you what's up oh god you're too good at that um <laughs> i don't even know your religious background and i think i've known you longer I don't know if we've ever talked about it, honestly. Really? Oh, uh, I mean, my I was raised a Christian, just non-denominational, you know, assimilationist Christian. But yeah, I, I agree. I was uh, I was taught about hell very early on, and it freaked me the fuck out. Freaked me the fuck out for years, for years, because like at a certain point, it'd be like. A lot of the Bible stories, kind of, especially the ones they tell kids, start to. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to not believe it so much. You know, the idea of getting swallowed up by a whale for a while and then being regurgitated back up. You know, I mean, like, I understand that they're, they're really just, you know, they're really just, like, parables, but I wasn't taught that. No, I wasn't either. Yeah, like, this really happened. Like, you gotta believe, like, you gotta, don't, mm. like, if you don't believe this shit, like, you're done. You're, like, uh, you're, you're, you're smoking forever. Yeah, I had a relation, my grandfather was literally, like, a professor at a Christian college of, like, science and the Bible, and he believed, not even all, I would say most Christian professors don't even believe all this now, but he did. He believed that, like, all of Genesis and all of the Old Testament was all literal. And he would even have, like, these roundabout crazy ways of being like, and this is how we know the flood happened, and then all this other shit. It's really wild, the circles that people can spin themselves into, into believing it. I think it's much nicer to hear it and be like, this is, you know, a parable and a story to learn from. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a huge cognitive disconnect if you're really trying to take it literally. Like, my mom would tell me things of, like, you know, she would tell me that, like, the creation of Eve and stuff. And so, like, <laughs> that's why, like, to this day, <laughs> women have, like, one less rib than men. And, like, I mean, I took. Is that true? I took her word for it. No, no. Do women have one less rib? No. It's not even... It's not true. <laughs> it's not true! It's not true. Yeah, I never like, no. No, women don't have an odd number. 
<laughs> I just thought about it. Like I just never thought about it. Like is it never occurred to me to check a partner's rib or anything. Uh, I, it, it never occurred to me either. And then I did check it, and it was a complete lie. But the thing is, when my mom, that, like, I think she was trying to get into nursing school. Aww. So she was, like, working at, like, I think she may have been in nursing school already. But she, I know she was looking at, uh, like, cadavers and anatomical texts and stuff. But she was still telling me this shit. I don't, I still don't understand it now. I just don't understand, like, how people can be, like, a literalist when the first two pages of the Bible contradict each other about the creation, about, like... Yeah. About, like, when man and woman were created and how and just, I don't know, it's weird and... It's because Christians don't like learn anything from like like technically what it is. Christianity is supposed to be derived from Judaism, but yet they don't know like how Jews like read the Bible or the scriptures. They're like so they're just like, "Oh, well, I guess this is all real. Like let's just take this all at face value without even having studied it." Like I don't think Jewish people believe it's all literal, so like Well, I've never heard of a flat earther Jewish person, so yeah, no, it's not like that. It's just like they understand it's parables for lessons or whatever. And they still, you know, they still have conservative Jews. But conservative Jews still tend to just follow, like, the rules more than believe the stories is literal. I think they, I think they like respecting the scholarly approach to the religious text, too. Like, I think that a lot of the Christian population who are, like, biblical literalists, I, I don't think they really enjoy seeing the Bible and, like, a like uh, in a historical context at all i think they just want it to be divorced from you know time and space and just being like the word of god yeah not to mention like yeah literal hundreds of translations over thousands of years which they get sort of upset if you bring that up like you know this isn't god wasn't if god was talking to you know was like being transcribed like it wasn't in english and they sometimes they get offended by that but yeah, wasn't there a Bill Hicks joke, too, about, like, what's it say on the front of the Bible? King James's Bible. That's his Bible. Yeah. I do like that Bible, though. Of all the translations, I like that one. It's very uh, poetic. I've never actually been able to get through it because I'm, like, I'm too dumb. Uh, like, I can't read Shakespeare. I had to read the Baldurized versions in high school, and I don't know. My brain just doesn't function that way. I mean, I don't I don't blame you. I studied Shakespeare in college, you know, on, like, uh, as part of my major, and uh, honestly, I, I don't, I don't. Get this whole thing of, like, Shakespeare reading Shakespeare having to be agony. Like, it, like it's kind It's people see it. <laughs> Think of it as this kind of like high pollutant type of thing. That's a type of benchmark that if you can't understand what the fuck he's saying, then you're dumb. But again, it's like they were talking like that. What is it? The 17th century? Yeah. Maybe. I don't fucking remember anymore. But like, I wasn't there. <laughs> but like. I think it was six, yeah, sixteenth, and they like I don't know. It's easier if you say it out loud since it was supposed to be performed. Right. 
I found it easier when I had to study it, but whatever, people, that's just like, like, language changes. If these people came into our fucking universe and, like, looked online and saw all the shit that we say, they would have no idea what we were saying either. Yeah, I mean, every day going on Twitter, it takes, like, 15 minutes to figure what people are saying, like, what the words they're saying mean anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're just new references every fucking day. New references. You look. New levels of irony. Sorry. You know, like, that website exists, like, Rap Genius. Oh, yeah. That has, like, translations to stuff that's coming out, like, today. Yeah. Like, you know. And the Shakespeare is, like, so much of his work has, like, double meanings and double entendres. And I doubt that a lot of, like, you know... The peasant classes that were standing in the Globe Theater with like kings or whatever, like they might not, they might have got hmm, every reference. The the like the nobles, they may have got all the references, either. They're there for the slapstick. That was very like turntable sounding. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, that was the entire point, wasn't it? It was something he was communicating to two different audiences on two different levels, and that was like part of the genius of him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, thinking about rap genius, too. Like, thinking about just how Christians still use Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah like a religious song constantly. Mm. A song too about <laughs> being sad. <laughs> Fucking. Yeah, I mean, John Cale, uh, the story, I don't know if you... I don't know if you guys have heard the story behind the the current iteration of Hallelujah, but apparently Leonard Cohen wrote it, wrote like 150 verses to it, and would just. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Couldn't tell if you said it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that even not even. Uh, that is a gratuitous amount of lyrics oh well yeah let's just skip ahead fuck it <laughs> yeah I mean I respect it I can't write any so I want to I want to see a version of him doing it in just one take though yeah it would be nice <laughs> I, um, I wonder if John Cale still has all the original lyrics that he faxed him because he's dead I mean, I mean, Leonard Cohen's dead now, so I don't know of any record of other re- verses unless they're like recordings of live performances for him from him. Um, but yeah. So what was the question? How do I want to die? I don't remember. Uh... Yes. Oh yeah. How do you want to die? Oh man. I don't even know anymore. Uh, there, there used to be like for a long time. There, like my my thing was like, uh, the, like there's no way I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to like sit in the hospital bed or like get old or older or whatever. Just the idea that seems like um it was like it was horrifying to me, you know, to like to like well just to like uh to like just slowly lose a certain amount of control or agency. That's what I thought it was. 
I, you know, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So like, I always like, I always just, I'm like, Oh, when the opportune time comes, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna just kill myself. Like, you know, um, you know, I had like suicidal. Ide- yeah. You should. Y- yeah. And there was like depressive ep- episodes from like that too, even divorced from that. There were like, there was like this conscious like thought of like, like that if I'm going to go, then I'd like to do it. <clears throat> You know, um, but now I don't know. I don't have a preference. I'm like, I, I, I think if anything, I would just be, I like, I think the romanticism from like being like a sad, sad, sad kid for so long. Um, like the last remnant of it is me, like me wanting to be like, if I'm going to die, I'd like to be like uh, aware of it, I think. Oh, I don't. In what way? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Oh. What's going on? <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry, 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 sorry. You no, look like no, you just got caught masturbating. <laughs> Somebody else gets to do it. I don't really want that either, but I do like. What about an animal? Like, I want to know what like it feels like to be like like oh, this is my final moment. This is it. Hmm. Oh my, my god! I I don't do want to know. I don't. I don't want to know anything. You don't get too many of those. You don't get too many opportunities to feel that show. So. <laughs> one thing I'm really curious about actually is like to lose like having dementia to like I want to know what that feels like but then also be able to live my life and reference it like yeah my grandfather had Alzheimer's like yeah like for a long long time and like mine too and then, like, he finally died, and, like, I don't know, his last, like, I remember, like, we didn't go and say bye to him, and, like, we hadn't really, he hadn't really known who we, fuck, some <laughs> stuff, known who I was for, like, a year, and everyone was just hoping, like, you know, there's a certain point when someone has Alzheimer's or dementia that you're like, God, I wish they would die, not because of how, not because you don't want them to die, but because it just seems like such a miserable life, you know? Yeah, even just living at a home. So I just waved at him, and he waved at me, and then, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you say it twice, right? Oh, I didn't say it. That was twice. Oh, yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, just seeing my grandmother in a home recently. I mean, like, when she was in the hospital, like, a year or two ago, maybe two or three years ago now, um, when I visited her at one point, she was just – I was just – trying to talk to her and i guess the way i lead conversations and she just ended up saying like yeah i'm like done i don't i wish they would just stop reviving me like (laughs) jesus are you okay okay um i'm just bored like basically but um yeah I don't know. The whole thing of having dementia is so interesting to me because of how long 
they can just be like clueless or they can be really cheery like my grandfather was like he would always just repeat uh where's my martini uh how's my where how about a manhattan uh and uh <laughs> just other weird catchphrases or like other people that like get really angry and like scared to some extent i don't know there's something weird and morbid because, like, I was living with my grandfather when he was in, like, mild to more, hmm, maybe more, like, moderate Alzheimer's. Um, Like, I just lived with him for a month or two. We had sold our house in Tennessee, and we were about to move to Virginia. And so this would have been, like, 2015, and he was starting to lose some of his, like, more, like, day-to-day stuff. But he had this sudden resurgence of, like, childhood memories and, like, adolescent memories. And he started talking about, like, this old girlfriend he'd had. He started singing songs that we'd never heard him sing before. It was really, really interesting. That's one thing I really wish we could get to is, like, I remember hearing or reading something when I was little about how in the future we're going to have pills where you can just experience somebody else's consciousness. Jesus. That sounds awful. I don't want that. I'm really curious. Like, that's just all I wonder all the time is just like, what is like, because I just wonder like how much of our thoughts of our memories define our consciousness. Like how much of a consciousness is just memory and then just without that, what consciousness is like. But I guess if, if you can, if you come out of it, like, what would you remember? I don't know. I would take a pill of your consciousness. Mine? Yeah. How do you like? You customize the pills. You get to pick like whose consciousness, or is it just like a grab bag or random? I don't want that. <laughs> I don't know. This is like around the same time. I remember hearing about this around the same time I heard about HTTV for the first time years before it came out, which was like, oh yeah, in the future we're going to have TVs that are really high definition. Yeah, those are <laughs> those are comparable technologies. Yeah, you get to see the Simpsons a little more clearly, and you get to fucking ghost in the shell somebody. <laughs> you never wonder that, just like what it's like to be in somebody else's head. Kind of. I want to know what's inside them. Yeah. My head is stressful, you guys. I have like multiple, multiple streams of thoughts at once, and like none of them are like smart or intellectual. <laughs> It's always, like, three, seven different things to ha- be anxious about at once. And then, like, whatever task, the task I'm, whatever I'm doing at the moment. And there's just, like, this general, I don't know. And, like, this horrible air of just, like, existential things. And then, and maybe, and then maybe if I'm, like, horny or hungry or something more primal than that, too. How do you just, like... I also wouldn't want to wish my consciousness on anybody either. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good time. I don't know why you would. Like, I never... I don't envy somebody else's consciousness necessarily. When I say I wonder a lot of the time, it's just like, how, how, how are they able to function like they're so stupid? Like they're so stupid. Like, how are they able to think that way? It makes no sense to me. I always assume chill people have like really fun circumstances, you know, or maybe like I'm like, maybe they're rich or privileged in another way. And so that's why they're not worried about stuff all the time. Maybe, but, like... But that's not true. I know it's not. Yeah, I mean, but also, isn't, like... Isn't art in general and, like, writing and stuff... Isn't that just communication a way of giving people a glimpse into your consciousness, even though... (laughs) Mm. I think that that 
that's what it is. Like I think the the I that's what I, I that's what I consider to be like the most like potent thing about art is like is this communicated aspects like you know like you get to you get to kind of see how uh, some how somebody distills their own environment and their surroundings. I was at uh, actually when I still before I ever actually moved to Indiana. Oh right. Which I don't even want to get out, but I, but before I even moved there, I, uh, like my last big, like, hurrah was to go to the LACMA and take a bunch of acid and go to the LACMA and like, and the whole time I, I, I saw these, like these paintings as like, um, like little, like windows into somebody else's person, like consciousness or perspective, like, you know? what they you know like what they chose to emphasize and how they saw things you know like everything is kind of similar in that their landscapes and stuff but like some people accentuate like the shadows mean more to them or the highlights mean more to them that actually reminds me i've never done <laughs> acid or shrooms or any hallucinogenics but i've i've read about them a lot because that culture has a lot of facets that interest me and like isn't that sort of what um like ken kesey and charles manson and stuff were attempting to do with acid a lot of times we was just like to have a collective consciousness that everyone really sort of experiences the same brain so <laughs> 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 it's called a trouble on that shutter. <laughs> I, I got an acid because of the butthole surfers. The, 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 the idea of, yeah, the collective consciousness and like trying to uncover things that are only accessible to you, like under certain, like that hippy dippy, like spooby kind of shit, escaped my radar. I don't, I don't really know. I'm not sure what that is. I think there are a lot of people who, who think that. Oftentimes, I, 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 I don't. Enjoy getting high with those people, but um, yeah, I mean, there might be some truth to it because I think uh, one of I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Fisher, the Marxist theorist. Um, I'm not sure. He wrote Capitalist Realism. Okay, but before before he killed himself, I think the last work he was working on was like you know potentially un- utilizing like psychedelics. Or, you know, having that as a potential avenue to sort of expand um, your imagination. I guess it wasn't enough for him. Uh, (laughs) Hmm. Because his his notion that he came out in capitalist realism was that like a a society, a post-capitalist society, is incredibly difficult for, for people to imagine right now. It's so entrenched in the way we think and everything that's around us. It is very difficult for us to really imagine how a society like that is like like a post-revolutionary society would exist. A non-transactional society? It's your favorite God. person. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <Yeah>. really high. <laughs> Like one, you know, one not based on uh, one entirely based on like commodity production or that has a profit incentive, you know, I mean, just like these day-to-day things and they think about it too, like, you know, what is like so much of like the music that I listen to, like, you know, they have like this escape rule from the environment that it comes from. 
Right. And so it's it's inescapable an, an and effect like from the economic system that the environment employs. So it's like it's a weird thing to just like think about like I, because like I think about like you know uh, music and uh, you know like pre-colonial societies and like you know pre-colonial like um, uh, periods uh, like lots of indigenous music. A lot of it is very communal. It's like a lot of it is very religious or spiritual. I and mean, it's meant for the collective. It's mostly I. Tell you what, are you talking about the mostly like rhythm based sort of stuff too? Yeah. <laughs> like more improvised and Yeah. Like an Asian Gamelon or, you know, a lot of stuff. Like I don't I don't know, but um like I don't think they had like individual pop artists, you know? Right. Their 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 society wasn't atomized to the point where you had the individuals like making like, you know like little parts of you in their bedrooms or something. Hmm. Yeah. You know, just that now because that's how you know we're more individually minded than we're collectively minded. Yeah. So, uh, so what about like instruments? So, were they? Did they have to like find their voice in a specific instrument or something? Anything? The way we tend to talk about it, like. Somebody's specific guitar tone and everything. No, I mean I don't really know like the history of it or like the inner workings of like like two uh, those dynamics are reached. Not even entirely sure. Like I mean, we're talking about like several different cultures, right? Like over like over like you know millennia, but I don't know. Sure, they had like different varying relationships, even like the instruments that they played. If they owned them or they. We're multifaceted. I don't know. Hmm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to segue out of that. Well, yeah, I always think about, you know, how it's like people communicate or express differently, but I, as a writer, I'm always worried about how people are interpreting the things I say. Right. Um, what was this in, in Waking Life, no matter how much of like on a wavelength or how linguistically, culturally similar you are to someone, you still really cannot help how they take what you say. You never know if they like, if you take it the way that you intended and it's like words are just like symbols for an intent you're trying to express. And it's really hard sometimes to express an idea or emotion with somebody, no matter how similar it is, no matter how well you communicate it. Can I ask what kind of stuff do you write? Like what genre? Good night, Hen- <laughs> oh, I thought I was like I was I wasn't sure what was going on. Good night, babe. I love you. Close the door. Oh, please. good night. Okay. <laughs> um God. Bullshit mostly. Like I just made myself sound really cool i mostly write quizzes and slideshows but like i also have a blog um the dirtbag christian and then i'll be writing some fiction for only magazine soon and like i used to write a lot more about like newsy media pieces but they don't do as much freelance work anymore like i have a full-time job so i like i have a pretty full plate anyway but yeah i can write lots of different things and so i but because I write so many different types of things, I'm always thinking about I'm writing for this kind of audience. I want this. I'm writing this kind of subject. I want this kind of person. So I'm always switching gears. Like, you know, the baby boomers who I write quizzes and slideshows for, 
don't want to hear about like religion and politics at all versus like my blog, you know, that's all it, all it is. And then fiction, you know, you want to do it, but not so heavy handed. And I don't want, and I don't know who's going to read that, but you just are always adapting yourself really. Or maybe that's just me. I'm adapting myself to write or communicate with a different type of person. So I try to be very like in tune with how I connect with them or the type of person I think I would want to read or hear or whatever it is I have to say. So would you say the audience has a fundamental role in, like, how, I guess, the finished product of your work? Absolutely. I would say maybe it's, like, I mean, to a point. You know, like, there's some selfishness things. Like, I write about things, especially in the, the my personal blog and my personal life. I write about things that are important to me. But, like, I guess I've just been a commercial writer for long enough that I know that when, like, people have to read it, but even if it's not, like... I don't care who reads that. You still want it to connect to somebody. So I definitely I definitely constantly consider my audience and what people will think and what they will feel when they read something that I write. And so I try, I adapt it a little bit to them and it. I think it changes how I communicate as well. Thinking of the audience definitely has changed in my writing style. Uh, do you worry about how it will connect with them? Like if there's a wrong way for them to connect with it? I mean, like, yeah, I run into shit all the time, and, you know, I try to take it, I try not to take it personally, like, for instance, you know, it's, like, little things. I copy-pasted some, like, term in one of my blogs. I use the word Latinx. No, not even know if I'm saying it, and somebody was like... Oh. That's a really condescending term, and people really needed to stop using it. And, like, I hadn't heard that before, but I thought, you know, like, whatever I was trying to communicate, the person totally dismissed because I'd used that one word. And, you know, you have to think about stuff like that. But I don't think about, you know, people get – some people are really touchy about political correctness, but for me, I find it more interesting. Like, I'm not trying to, like, make people write off something that I think and say because I use a word that's offensive. Like, it defeats the purpose of writing in the first place. So, like, I like to be somewhat non-offensive, or at least non-offensive to the right people, the right audience. Right. Like, obviously, the stuff <laughs> that I write in a, is offensive to some people, but I don't care about those people, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's funny. I guess that's all political correctness is really. It's just like trying not to piss off the right people. But then the wrong people always get pissed off and they want you to change. But it's like, we're not, we don't care about you. Yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, we've been talking for half an hour. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Or? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know what I can say that like I'm comfortable being preserved. I'm having to like recite again over the course of a year. I mean everything's preserved now almost. I can't I almost never talk to people in a way that isn't preserved anymore. Do you think that like the, you think that the feds are listening? They are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But well that but also uh just like Talking on the phone, talking over text, talking over email. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just everything is like. Do you think that historians will sift their like Twitter and emails and shit in the future? There's so much content. What will they do? I mean, I think there will be like metadata they can uh, sort what they're looking for because I, I mean, yeah, like it's go, it's it is going. I fuck. 
I think a lot of history is like based on individual narratives. It, like I was just hearing about this guy. Oh fuck! Here he goes. Three for three. Three out of three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, based on his own slaves, whatever. Uh, just some random guy, but they found his journal, and it's illuminating just to get this one guy's perspective, what he wasn't thinking anybody else was going to see. I think, um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. It's weird to think about what the ever-expanding future Oh, I'm sorry. Every fitting future with more and more people and more and more stuff being archived will be deemed important. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there will be themes ultimately that are sawed and that are just dissected and then whatever is available of individual people. I mean, we already do with blogs, like people searching through old blogs for things. I mean, we make memes out of like the bodybuilding forum posts and stuff like Oh. Yeah, kids occasionally make reference to something that they've never experienced before because it's like in a meme format and they like there because I don't let them have too much media access but they can watch like gamer like PG gamer YouTube things and they'll see the gamer guy reference those things and they'll start referencing oh. something from Homestar Runner and I'm like you've never watched Homestar Runner but it's not even just that because like a meme can just be a post somebody made. It can just be something. Yeah. It could just be a face you made in public that somebody happened to capture it on camera. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing already is the future of history, basically. I mean, it's fascinating. It's like, you know. It's, it's it's like the logical conclusion to like the whole pop art thing, you know, like the, the, or like postmoderny. Like the idea of postmodern art is like the abol is abolishing the distinction between like highbrow and the lowbrow to where everything just becomes like kind of like homogenized as this weird sort of mishmash culture. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. I I think I think it's fascinating. I don't know where else it can go. Which I uh, also I mean I tie it into like the um, the political, like you know, just like the political state and how like this type this type you know, like this kind of postmodern like culture is like like late capitalist culture. You know, it's like yeah yeah. it's like the disruption and the rejection of all things sacred and one like is just turned into commodities. It's like, you know, you can't like you, you know, um, I mean, you can't buy pretty much anything now. Like there's no, like you can buy, like you can buy, like, uh, you can buy like Joe crucifixes and shit. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like there's nothing sanctified or anything anymore. You can see anybody naked now, like pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody you can think of. You know, I ought to be naked, like. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Like, the next thing that comes is basically just a great consolidation. Like, you can't unring a bell. Like, all these forms of communication, all these forms, all of these disparate micro 
content things like i mean i always think of it's interesting like how tiktoks and stuff like and vine and like and you have like these moments that before would just be in a movie like a lot of memes are basically just like a tiktok or a vine taken from a movie or a tv show and i think we're going to keep seeing everything break apart more like that and then every, eventually it's just going to be so much that we're going to see like a great consolidation again of media of all these things still existing but there's going to be more focus on long form and larger format again at some point that sounds crazy exhausting yeah when you talk about like a full length like a feature film of a tiktok I mean, it's already sort of exists. Like, you go on YouTube, my roommate's kid, he showed, he just put on a video of memes the other day. Like, it was just this guy seemingly just has, like, um, I guess he just sets up, like, he coded something to pick off stuff off of Reddit or Imma, Im, Imger or whatever. And then he has a robot voice read it, which is why, which is what makes me think it's all automated that it just this program pulls all these memes reads what it says and then he reads it out loud from the synthetic voice and it just plays all of them for 10 minutes or whatever <clears throat> and i think we're going to keep seeing more of that eventually we're just going to we're going to be so much more focused on curated on curation again Ugh, well. Well, I feel I feel like that's symptomatic of like a society becoming more and more depressed. It's like from my from my perspective, I feel like this like incessant need to have noise, you know, or like just just total stimulation, like you know, like sensory stimulation comes from the fact that like you know, being alive right now is kind of unbearable for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about what things are like in the future, but in all my leftist faces, like, the real cynical ones are like, there's not going to be an America, there's not going to be a future, like. I don't, I think it's like, well, I, I, I don't think there's going to be an America, well, I don't want there to be an America. That's, that's neither. Yeah, neither yeah, do I. That's not that simple, I feel very, I don't feel very that's probably a net positive, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess what this comes down to is we're sort of reached. We've sort of reached the cultural singularity where just everything is always happening and everything is fleeting. We're all like, did you ever hear the story of like Rocky Erickson? Like the only way he could get to sleep was by having like nine TVs on at the same time on different channels. Oh really? Oh my fucking god. Well, he was schizophrenic, right? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and he was. Wow. At that point, that was, that was strange. That was not normal <laughs> behavior. I think we're all kind of, we're all becoming Rocky Erickson. Oh, that's true, yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's been a thing for however long now. Like we watch, like I mean, so many shows are based around the fact that you're not going to be watching them. You're going to be reading, looking at your phone, watching videos on your phone while you're watching TV, probably. Yeah. And the person next to you is watching other videos. They're like ten-hour videos on YouTube. They're like whole swaths of YouTube. They like don't expect you. They expect you to fall asleep to this, like, to this 10-hour. Yeah. Like, 10-hour thing. Like, that's the whole purpose. They don't expect you to watch the whole video. It's not an artistic statement, and it's just... It's just there. It's just drone for you. It's just background. Yeah. For your... I bet... <laughs> I bet Ray Bradbury is glad he's dead for all this. And Andy Warhol. Yeah. Or maybe Andy Warhol would be excited. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's interesting. You. How? I don't know. I also think. I never really thought about it, actually, about how production values simultaneously keep getting worse and better at the same time. Do you remember that video of all the people that lived in the TikTok house? I think it was like, it was like November, October, November, I don't even remember when it was. Like, last year of... The internal now. Yeah, so, like, this... There was this video of, like, all these extremely attractive fit people showing how they do every day. They're just like, this is the filming room, and this is the workout room. And it was just, like... It was just, like, in some L.A. house, and, like, all these people must have been, like, 25 or under. They were all extremely attractive. They were all TikTok influencer types, and they all lived in the same house. And they were all filming in all rooms all the time, right? Yes, yes. It wasn't just like, this is the exercise room where you get a break from this. Like, no, you were always content. Yeah, what a weird way to live. That's horrifying. Yeah, but I mean, we were expecting this forever, I guess. I mean, between Andy Warhol, The Truman Show, Ed TV. Uh, yeah. That woman in the 90s. or I remember my dad reading an article to me in the 90s about a woman that was just going to leave her webcam on all the time and you could just check in and see what she's up to oh yeah that girl and they like yeah she ended i think she ended up having sex with her friend's boyfriend or something oh really and it was on camera damn so yeah fuck why would i guess i was saying why would she do that i guess but i mean like this is before anyone even ever thought about it. Maybe it was a radical statement. Like, I'm going to do this thing knowing the consequences that might happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, finality used to be such, like, a radical statement in, like, an art, you know, to just, like, do, like, normal shit. Like, um, yeah, I forget who that artist was. Like, she was a mixed media artist, and, like, her her museum installation piece was just, like, the, like her messy bed. Like a replication of her messy bed. Yeah. And it was like, it, it, it made like huge waves. And now, like, that's all content is now. Like, it's just, it's just real life sometimes with the filter on it, sometimes not. But yeah. Yeah, we all have a, to stick out. Like, I remember a girl in OK Cupid when I was in Indiana. She had a video that she recorded of her going to bed and going to sleep. And that was her profile. She just had a link to the live feed she had done, like, back when you could go do that on... When you could do that with Google Hangouts through YouTube, 
and it was just like six hours and I was just skipping through it and was just like, yeah, there she is sleeping. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. That's about 40 minutes. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I live a pretty on life, so I get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're all chauvinists and voyeurs in our own way. Yeah. This whole thing is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is to cut down on the torture in the future. I think I'll cut this off now. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Okay. So long. All right. Later. Fuck. (laughs) That's right. Okay. So I have to share this with you.